Hello, my name is Kaylin Angloss, and I'm the host of The K-Fit Show, where I talk all about the proper ways to exercise, the proper ways to train, and optimize your performance in sport or health. That's what we talk about here on The K-Fit Show. I am fresh off of... 194 athletes taking my fitness test that I put together as part of my master's degree. I'm going to dive into it a little bit into this episode, talk about why we do it, what's the importance of fitness testing, and uh, how we change the landscape of high performance. And I'm going to be joined by one of my good friends and and mentors, a high performance expert and and high performance committee member, Richard Mosdell, who's going to uh, break this all down for me and we're going to talk about it. So here we go. This episode is brought to you by Kenzen Sports Karate. Kenzen Sports Karate is the premier karate club on the West Coast, uh, giving you traditional to sports karate classes. Uh, That's the best place to go. If you were looking at the Olympics and you're looking at being a karate athlete, Kenzen Sports Karate in Victoria, BC is the way to go. All right, let's get started with this episode with Richard Mosdell. Three, two, one. Let's start the show. We are back for the K-Fit Show, and I am joined by a good friend of mine, high-performance expert and uh, karate extraordinaire, Richard Mosdell. Hi. You are the only, you have the title of being the only returning guest on the K-Fit Show. Cool. I traveled really more excited than that. I traveled really far to get here. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> Walk down the hallway. <laughs> Can you be on the podcast? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Richard, I do appreciate you coming on the show. And, and I'm very happy to be on I the mean, show. I mean, we just got... Do I get something? Uh, Do you get a plaque? Yeah. You don't get a plaque. I'm off the screen here. You don't get a plaque because your the, the gift that you get is being able to talk to me about this for a half hour. I... Love this topic and can't wait, actually. There we go. Well, it's fitting, I think, because this past weekend, what did we have? 194 athletes do the fitness test. So we've talked about it here on the KFIT show before. Uh, The fitness test that I put together as part of my master's degree really couldn't have come together without you but uh we did we we tested the athletes 194 of them the most that's ever done the fitness test and it was on uh for karate bc athletes the most that karate bc has ever had ever ever is crazy like a hundred over normal yeah 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 usually there's like 80 to 100 yeah, 100 70, is a lot 75 to 100 would normally register maybe 80 would compete and we take 75 to 80 or so yeah yeah 194 people paid and they're of the right age and yes, it's awesome. It's awesome. So we had in Saturday at the Richmond Olympic Oval, we had a hundred and I think it was 150 around athletes yep. around there doing it. And then you and I came back Saturday night, Sunday, we went to Nanaimo to do another about 20 athletes or so. We were the fitness testing mobile machine. We were the fitness <laughs> testing mobile machine. We needed that K-Fit van. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we did. Take it from that K. There's a K-Fit. There's an imposter. K-Fit nine mobile van uh, out there to around and around down. Right around town, I've seen. I don't like them. 
Yes. All right. Unless they're a fan listening to us. Well, one thing about it's this. It's a tribute truck. It's a tribute <laughs> truck. That's right. That's right. Just put my picture, put my face exactly. on there. Exactly. Yep. Um, one of the things about this whole fitness test is it's kind of a new parameter, not just in BC, but in combat sports. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of research on combat sports in any field, but fitness testing as well. I know that because I dug right into the research. But one of the things that kind of brought this all together was you know, you basically, you, you kind of changing the landscape of the sport of karate in BC, having, you know, you lived in Japan for 10 years, you did high performance karate there. You came back, uh, what, three years ago now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you just kind of made things happen and changed the landscape in karate BC to implement this fitness testing among other things. Just talk a little bit about how that all came together, what your whole process was in that and in, in changing things up. Um, when I came back, I got active again in mainstream karate just by participating as an official. Yep. Obviously, I opened a club, started getting athletes going. Then got on the board of directors for Karate BC, and an opportunity came up. Someone wanted to step down from being high performance director, which was really a, just like a management thing. Okay, and know? that's your title now, right? I am the high performance direct dir- high performance committee chair. Okay, high performance committee chair. And every province that has a big team, has a high performance committee which designs a plan for the provincial a team to follow. Sure. They hire the they hire the coaches and stuff. Um, the very same time, the government, that one of the funding agencies in the government was doing a review of our sport and said, hey, you're about to become an Olympic sport. Um, we need you to operate like an Olympic sport. Can you put together... The, remember, the government only operates on data. Mm-hmm. So like, they don't know what a good roundhouse kick is of or course. good whatever. So they yeah. know results. They know fitness tests. Yes. They know numbers. Yes. And they understand, especially the ones who are you know, high-performance experts in all sports, that when you select, you deselect. When you select one athlete, you deselect you another deselect one. athlete. Yes. So you shouldn't have a lot of selection tournaments chopping down your population in your province you should have a lot of tournaments carrying the population right through the same thing goes with fitness testing and i had seen in japan where they do fitness testing in some areas especially at university like Maida sensei my instructor used to do like impact tests like for punching and stuff okay and runs but but um so they wanted a simple fitness test but i saw an opportunity to to go further and peter davis who is the high performance committee chair for karate canada he's a professional expert in high performance training he yes. deals with lots of sports there was kind of a there was a vacuum that needed to be filled in and i i really wanted to fill that with a proper fitness test because for me the fitter you are most likely the better you are most likely the more committed you are to mm-hmm. your sport mm-hmm. like you'll be technically stronger because you're physically stronger, because the time it takes to be consistent in the gym will, will be related to, like, if you're competitive in being fit, you're competitive in training yourself to yeah. be better. Not, not to mention the mental strength that you exactly. gain. And we've talked about this, being more fit, you know, when you get into the deep end, so to speak, totally. in your competition, you know, if you're not fit, you're just going to crumble. The more fit you are, the more mentally tough you're going to be as Totally. Well. So when I was in Japan, when I arrived in Japan, I wasn't training that hard in the gym, and that was but I was starting to train really hard with all the university guys and stuff. And it was hard just to stay afloat with them. So then I started four times a week for 90 minutes doing uh, like a high intensity training on my own. Okay. Based on what I learned at, at uh, in uh, courses with um, coaching Canada. And I just trained and trained and trained. And I was like, never miss one. Even mm. if I couldn't go do it at night, I would do it in the morning. I religiously did it. 
And suddenly I was like, okay, I was going past the university kids. Now I was going against the guys who are, you know, um, quite famous in Japan and a really great training partner named Richard Heselton. We were doing one of the high performance training. We would do 90 minutes of high performance training and then we would spar for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) When everyone else was dead, we're like, all right, and now we're going to spar. Yeah. And so when I came here to see the intensity was a little low. Okay. And you were, it was the right moment because you were prepared and you needed a project and I needed somebody who could jump on this. And I literally phoned you from the Canadian National Championships in Richmond and said, get on the ferry, come over right away. Yes. This is important. This is the time. I remember that quite clearly. And it's funny you say, you know, maybe a couple weeks before that, I remember you saying something along the Mm -hmm. lines of, you know, you'll succeed in something when the opportunity comes and you're prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, two weeks later, you're in Vancouver. I'm, s- I'm at my parents' house up island and you call me and, and you say, you know, you need to get over to Vancouver right now. Meet this Peter Davis guy. We have an opportunity here for you. And, and I thought about what you said and I just got on the next very first thing in the yeah, morning. I, I was you over. You picked me up. That's right. And uh, took me there. We talked to Peter Davis. He, he kind of told me what he wanted in terms of the fitness testing and, and all that. And look at us now. That was a, over a year ago. I know. Now. I know. And I, I, you're the right guy, right energy. And you've done 99.9% of the lifting. Uh, lifting, lifting, <laughs> literally. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you really stuck to how we thought that we didn't know where it was going to go or what was going to happen. Yes. But good things would come of it. And there was a lot of resistance from different areas, yes, whether the athletes or yep. the coaches yep. or even organizations. But the, the thing is, it's like, I mean, I think what you said is the, the top male athlete, the fitness test. He also won a gold medal. At nationals, at nationals, at yes. nationals yep. chasing that for 13 years. Yeah, he's been chasing that medal, silver medal. He got silver medal last 13 years. Finally busts through and wins gold, Kenneth. And then, you know, he, he trained at our, he came to our club, Kenneth, and he said fitness is so important, yeah. so important. So, yeah. It's I mean, really been a culture change, I find. Totally. Like not, not just with, you know, the athletes, but the coaches as well, the parents, everybody involved is now kind of realizing, well, Obviously, you need to be fit in your sports, but you need to be able to have some way of measuring how fit you are in each of the sports. Totally. And, and of course, we've talked about it on this show. One of the things that I did was, you know, determine what the actual physiological requirements of karate are and then put those fitness tests together based off of that. Now, when we talked with Peter Davis, uh, whatever it was over a year ago, we talked about having field-based tests. So mm-hmm. tests that we could do in the field on a, on a train at a training camp mm-hmm. and not necessarily like the lab-based tests where you're doing like the mm-hmm. treadmill VO2 max tests, all that kind of stuff. We, we, we wanted something that was a field-based test mm-hmm. first as well as something that could be done in the club. Totally. So really we put together those three levels. We put together the level one for the club, the level two, the field-based that the yep. provincial teams do, and then the level three for like the national team and then the we really knocked it apart we should like na- we should put like brand it like k-fit or something k-fit like <laughs> well it's called the caft it's called that's right that's right we have karate athlete field test exactly like Ang- angloss field test uh, fitness test we don't know but what was kind of in your your mind the importance of having those field-based tests and tests that we can actually implement to athletes on the provincial team in a, in a big training uh atmosphere it was practicality mm-hmm. it's being practical I mean, I think the thing where when we were designing everything, my role was to keep you thinking about how practical it could be. Yes. And yeah. then be able to explain it to someone in 10 seconds and they just go, okay. And you practice the field one in your club and then you 
you can practice the test to pass the test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the cool part. Yeah. You can do all the exercises several times. Um, so making it really practical, easy to understand, relates directly back to karate. It's not a skill test. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. took some time for people to understand. Yes, for sure. There's a difference between a skill test and a, phys- a fitness test. Yes, that was really important too because people yeah. were wondering like, well, how do I test my punching speed or my punching power, my kick speed? It's yeah. like, well, you know, that's not what this is. This is yes. a physical fitness test. And the, I think it showed like this weekend we had people do some really high scores yeah. and different things. Highest we've had so far. Yeah. Yeah. We also saw people new to the team because there's so many people new to the team that came off like a beep test and the parents just said, here's your potato chip bag. Yes. <laughs> like literally yes. just passing them potato chip bag. And, and like, I really want them to be more fit. Well, there's a culture change in, in just how you approach nutrition and yes. health. And you can tell people, but you, you really you have to show them by example. Mm-hmm. And one of the great things is they can see all the other people training Yes, and they see the ones that are really fit. That's leading by example. Yes. We also saw the other end of it too. You know, elite level athletes not quite pushing their, their limits in the fitness test, you know, saying on the beep test face, say for example, you know, going in, Oh, I'll be happy if I get a level six and then they get to level six and they just quit. You can see that they have more left in the tank. And uh, team director Rodney Hobson, and shout out to to Rodney, he noticed that. And Mm -hmm. afterwards, in the kind of the coaches meeting there, he said, you know, we should start setting standards for these guys. Mm -hmm. Like if you're Mm -hmm. in a 14, 15 division or you're 17, 18, whatever it is, you need to hit whatever, X number, what is, whatever we're going to determine that to be looking at the data. But now it's cool because we have all this data. We have 194 pieces of data just from this year. That's massive. Last year, we have the beginning and end of season from last year. We also have the Karate Canada stuff that's been sent to me as well that uh, they did this test as well. So we have a lot of data coming in now. And I think, you know, I was telling you last week at the CSEP conference when I was in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. the best question that I got after I gave my presentation was, well, what does this give the sport that it didn't totally. already have? And I s- kind of struggled at first with that question. I said, well, you know, it's a fitness test. And, and the, the professor said, well, no, they have fitness standards in sports. You know, like they're, they're fit. Mm-hmm. What did you give the sport? And so it was, after I thought about it, it was all this data and setting all the, the cut scores and the standards where these are where the athletes are supposed to be. Now we have all this data coming in. We're going to have those standards. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Standards are good. You know, you can even say like, it's hard to say if you cut somebody from the team because if they're performing but they're un- not fit. Mm. But we have to motivate them to get fit. And there's ways to incentivize people. Yes, yeah. Um, but even just from this one weekend alone, <laughs> you could use that baseline for 10 years. Yeah. Totally. Just from this one weekend. Yeah. You know? Um, and then if you start adding and then say, okay, listen, here you go, everybody. I'm, I'm sure we're going to, the, the people who were in it last year know. Yeah. Now we're going to be able to say for two years, we can make it more interesting. Yes. Um, actually just, yeah, I just started thinking like maybe we should fitness test people at the BC winter games. Yeah, we could. Like the 12, all the 12, 13-year-olds. I mean, a lot of them already would have done the test anyway. Exactly, so, though. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But we have even noticed just from last year to this year that culture change already happening because the the scores, and I haven't quite run all the, all the numbers and all the averages yet, but the scores from this year are just off the top of my head, better, I think, than last year. Oh, that's great. So I think, you know, already... More people are coming in prepared? More people are coming in prepared. They know, okay, I'm going to have to do Kaylin's mm-hmm. fitness test. I'm going to have to get ready throughout throughout the off-season to yeah, get ready yeah. for it. So I think the other thing is 80% of the team 
last year and we had a big team 107 people largest mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. best results in nationals uh 80% of the team's coaches went to nationals yeah, yeah. so they saw there were more for the first time the club instructors were more integrated with the team program mm-hmm. so they're doing high intensity interval training in their clubs like Kaz Hashimoto Sensei's club Otokan they do it every Saturday morning for an hour mm. so it's become part of the club culture that they're going to do two or three four karate sessions in the week but then they do a couple sessions of ten, uh, fitness training and they're going to look at what you've been doing yeah right so and then the other thing that's been a culture change is you used to go to a team training and just team train and then maybe you do 10 or 15 minutes of working out mm-hmm. now a a team training 50% is a fitness test. Yeah. It's fitness activity. Yes. You know? Uh, so we're more like with that many people, it's hard to say, I mean, we're coaches, you guys are coaches, but you're really more evaluators. You're evaluating where they're at right yeah, now. Totally. And then yeah. sending them back to their club and it puts positive pressure on the club to raise their game. Like this is where you are. This is where you need to be. Totally. Or this is where you can improve. This totally. is where you did good. Yeah. Yep, and I yep. think that's one of the good things being, uh, you know, up in the high performance world in sports. I mean, your karate specifically, but if you look at all sports in general and mm-hmm. you worked a lot with via sport on this, what do you think is the main importance of having a set standard, uh, fitness test battery for the athletes from, well, from the government perspective, they know if people are trying to be more fit, results are going to come. We're going to get higher results. Mm. So they, it, before, they would say like international results are based on what you do with the national team, but they know that 99% of your training is happening in your province or your state. Sure. So there's more pressure now on organized sport, organized amateur sport, to have better training at a lower level um, so that the athletes are better as they go up. And it's just happening all the time. And again, it it doesn't matter what your sport is. Its results are outcome and process. So the outcome is like results, but fitness testing is part of process. It's part of the process it's of getting the, process, to the outcome, right? Because yeah. you're going to tell them to go work out so many times, and then the test is showing you how your process is going. Mm. The higher your test results. Now remember, head coach of Canada for karate, Nassim. Mm-hmm. She was fitness tested. She was doing a fitness test sometime in the mid-2000s when she was still competing. I remember someone saying to me, it may have been Craig, that the guy who fitness tested her uh, said, if she's as fit as she is right now, based on what I've just kind of personally seen at the world level, she'll get a silver at those next world championships. And she did. Wow. I mean, that could be a coincidence too. But could be it's a total good, coincidence. It's, it's a good call either way. But... You know, it's not very many Canadians um, consistently have have medaled at the world. No, that's true. And she she has got I think two silvers. Sure, sure. But uh, it was just interesting to see like so at the higher level, that's what they look at, right? Yes. Outcome and process and fitness testing is telling us about the process because it's so easy to monitor. The other one is just how many people are in the in the pool. The more people in the pool, the the, the what they call it the the depth of competition, strength of competition gets deeper. Absolutely. So we don't need a hundred thousand watered down program, but if we could have, a, well, let's say it this way, hundred thousand people you're not fitness testing, 
and they're not really seeing each other, it, there's not there's no strength of field, there's no depth of field. But if there's 194 people, and they're all in the same division, but you're getting 15 to 20 people in the division now in the province. Yeah, that means our provincial program is in some ways harder and stronger than the national program. Mm, yeah. Which is also building up because they've also started to implement Now they've this. adopted the test. Now they've adopted the test, which is funny because we started it here in BC and now it's going right across Canada. Yeah. Other sports are getting involved. Obviously, I'm working with boxing and hopefully judo soon as well. So uh, fun stuff there. But also the... The you remember from last year the nationals there was the the gentleman from uh, own the podium Chris I believe his name yep. was he gave that uh, little presentation and it's you know just the nature of elite amateur sport when you're looking at the Olympics is you know these these organizations that fund Olympic athletes they're going to be looking at fitness test scores because they want to know who's got the best chance to medal totally. to put their money into right totally and, and they they the want to know is. where I mean they would love us to know if we know where the other country's athletes are. But of course, that's a, a kept secret. Of course. Right? Yeah. So we, our athletes have to be better and better and better because it's high performance is serious business. Mm. It's not you, it's not a bunch of coaches who are a bunch of friends who are just hanging out and running people through a program. No, it's serious business. Um, so, you know, you're a coach one day at a national or provincial level, the next day you're gone if you forget that. Yeah. And they want to see that. What are we doing in that process to push people? Especially like you, you only get to spend a, a very small amount of time. These athletes are coming from clubs. They're not our athletes. They're the club instructors' athletes. Mm-hmm. Our job is to support the club instructors' ability to train them, and they and own the podium with these big government high performance funding, where agencies are very focused. Want us to think like that? Yeah, of course. You know. Um, no, it's great. It's 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 like I said, culture change, but it's all yeah. in the right way. You know, fitness. Well, look at us in our gym, in our dojo right now. It's hard to see, but like we have a two thousand square foot karate studio, but we have a six hundred square foot gym. Yeah, like that was like from day one, we knew that fitness is really really important. Yeah. So we could have made this six hundred square feet more karate training space, or a classroom, or more viewing space for the parents, or bigger. We we went with smaller change rooms so we could have this gym space because mm. it's it's healthy it's important like whether you are competing or and I always go to this like or just training in your club you need to do fitness yeah or anybody everybody there you go yep. all right well that's good now we're gonna transition into a little bit of another segment we have called Sensei says where we drop a little bit of knowledge and I'm okay. gonna pass this one off to you so here we go. Sensei says, mm-hmm. have a growing mind, not a fixed mind. Mm. Sound familiar? It does sound familiar. Because you brought this to me. Now, why don't you explain a little bit of what that means? Growing mind and fixed mind. What's that talking about? Well, there's lots of academic writers have written about this, but Carol Duick is famous for having the mindset book, yes. for having a growing mind. So it's easy to understand a fixed mind because that is uh, you don't want to change. Mm. You want to stay where you're at. Another way of calling it would be a fundamentalist. Okay. Where you look at everything through a prism of your rules and regulations in your head. And if it doesn't match, you reject it. So kind of like stuck in your ways a little bit. Stuck in your ways. And so a fixed mind is you're stuck in your way. A growing mind is like a liberal. The word liberal can be used in lots of different ways. But curious is a really good way of saying it. 
So some new information comes forward, and what you do is you compare it to the rules and systems in your head and see if this new piece of information actually makes more sense than something you're already running on. And then you might toss out an idea you're running on to go with this new thing. So to have a growing mind means to be curious. Okay. Curious about new things, curious to make mistakes. A fixed mind is one, a little bit of fear of change. Um, Or you've gotten to a point where you're successful and now you're stuck. This is really interesting in the business world. I've got a really good example is Airbnb. Mm. Started by two guys. It took them several years to get it going and it finally exploded. And, you know, when they were first started, like first two or three years, they would, I think they were in San Francisco, they would um, literally check every picture of every place and like when one person booked, they, they would physically themselves go and take pictures of the places had the Marriott or the Hilton jumped on it, started yeah. Air, the, the Airbnb, then they would have owned it. It would be no Airbnb. It would be Airbnb. It would be Hilton Airbnb. That's right. right? Or whatever. So, so that's a fixed mind, right? It's like Uber. These big taxi companies, they could have created Uber. Sure. Right? Um, Facebook. Facebook, you know, any tech company could have really come up with that model. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but that's the nature of being curious. Yes. I think about it a lot in the academic world and just kind of the knowledge base that you, that you get in academia, you know, a fixed mind is somebody who, who is, like I said, set in their ways and believes what they believe, believe what they say is right. And they're not really open to new research Mm. or new concepts coming their way. Whereas people with a growing mind, they take all different information coming from all different directions to form their opinion. And that opinion is always changing. They're they're altering it. New information comes in and they're willing to change their, their knowledge, to change their, their opinion based on the other stuff that's coming in where people with fixed mind, they don't even recognize it. No, exactly. Exactly. You know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson says, yeah, you know, yeah. he says, uh, shoot for the stars. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when you are, when you're a professor in university, you just put your feet up on the table and go, we know everything. Mm-hmm. We don't need to know anything more. He goes, no, we only know 4% of what probably exists. Yeah. yeah. Now that 4% is a lot. Sure. Um, and some fundamentals, but then you're curious about learning the next thing and challenging what you've got. Mm-hmm. So in the karate world, this is tough. I mean, the, the, the shuhari expression, which, you know, is kind of famous is, you know, learn it, master it, and then try and create something new. And that's definitely could be part of a, a way to relate the growing mind concept back to martial arts. Um, like the other idea is, you know, know the rules really well, be the best at them and you can break them. Yeah. There because you, go. you decide you know, even a democracy, every democracy that's ever been created or any, People have to literally be the, what do you say? They have to break the rules, break the law, but then they realize there's so much pressure on the change. It has to change. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think with the fitness test and fitness training, people have to be curious. I think that's why people who do have a a growing mindset, they love like new fitness tools, like, you know, the kettlebells, the hurdles. Oh, there's a different type of hurdle or something new. That's cool. It, it, It helps move your workout from being stale. Yeah, totally. Right, and I think that's also what's really important to to get people like yourself, if people are growing, to get you guys to to work with you guys because you guys are 
probably the most curious when it comes to fitness. Totally. Yeah. Trying to get it all put together. And it's all part of that culture change that you brought to the world of of karate that has really put us in the position to be growing minds. So uh, hats off to you and much appreciative from all across BC, I believe, for that. So before we sign off on uh, this episode, thank you so much for sitting in, Richard, and and talking about this. But we have to talk real quickly about the UFC this weekend. Because I know you watched the return of Mr. Georges St. Pierre. GSP. GSP. Yes. What'd you think? It was awesome. It was awesome, eh? It was awesome. He looked unreal. He looked so good. He looked great. I mean, he was taking some shots, um, but he looked great. In real, and was it second round he won, right? In that second round? That's right. Yeah. So, I, so you know, he did a punch. I counted. At first, I counted 11 elbow strikes, and I counted 13 after. I think it was the third round, now that I think about Maybe it. It was third round? I think it was third round, yeah. Um, but it's almost like a, uh, a karate fighter or a boxer who like needs one or two rounds to kind of figure their legs out again. Yes, like, yeah. okay, oh yeah, that's like that's it. Four years off though, and he came back ring rust. Strong wasn't a thing. No, nope. no, no. Nope. In fact, nope. they were even saying in the commentators like he looks better than he did when he left. No, he looks Crazy. really, really good. Well, he, I mean, four years in this last four years, he's been able to get healthy. Yeah. No injuries. I mean, obviously, maybe training injuries. He did a lot of variety. Yeah. Picked a good fight. He did a, a really smart thing in going as high as he could in his first first match yes. just to really figure out what he's got. Totally. He's got the experience. He's 36. But, I mean, listen, 36 is just a kid compared <laughs> to me. <laughs> you know? So, uh, um, no, it was great. It, it was, was great. I, and I like that it was like punching, takedown, groundwork. Everything. It strangulation. Was mixed martial arts. It was mixed martial arts. Yeah. Like everything. And then... All the matches leading up to that were strong. Yeah, oh, the whole card was the best. It's the best card of the history of the UFC, in my opinion. It was it was strong. It was yeah. very very strong. Yeah, and yeah. then you know, will McGregor and GSP one day have a match? No, that's what they're saying now. That'd be incredible. I saw a picture of them, and GSP is only like an inch taller than McGregor. Oh yeah, it's it, they're not that far apart. Yeah, McGregor's a little bit smaller, and of course now the new landscape of the UFC is money fights, right? Whatever the fight is to mm. make the most money. Well, Which is what a prize fighter should do. Exactly. Totally. A prize fighter it. should go out there. I had a guy on the weekends ask me, like, um, he was watching the karate sparring for the first time. He goes, when do they go full contact? And they go, we don't because we're not prize fighters. No. Yeah. He goes, what do you mean? I go, amateur sport athletes. amateur sport athletes. Yeah. Like, we pay for this. We're not getting paid for it. Yeah. The only time you should fight full contact is if you're getting paid and you're a prize fighter and your totally. whole job as a prize fighter is to get the biggest purses possible. Yes, yeah. So, and I'm not knocking that. I mean, absolutely. So, GSP and McGregor? I mean, if you look at it, all the other matchups for McGregor, the only other one you could argue might be good is Nate Diaz, mm-hmm. the, the Nate Diaz mm-hmm. trilogy. Everybody else, nobody really wants to see anything else, but McGregor, GSP would be huge. GSP, one or two more matches than a, a McGregor tie-in sometime next year. It would be awesome. It would be huge. No, it was great. It was great to see all the skills being Canadian. Canadian, of course. Canadian. And I'm really happy that as of right now, there's been no word of like any performance enhancing drugs that I know, he's been busted that's with. The only thing you he can squeak through with that. Yeah. You know, he's, he has a really good image. He has a really good brand. I'm yeah. sure the sponsors really like him. It would be very unfortunate if something like that happens. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he was a bit a big advocate for it before he left uh, of testing? You know, a, a testing protocol. Yeah. So, you would expect it'll all be good. So 
let's just hope for that. But awesome. Either way, it was a great, uh, yes, great fight, great card, great episode of the karate of the K Fit Show. <laughs> See what I almost Thursday. Did <laughs> uh, that's it. So I was waiting for like an intro. So you need like an intro song. <laughs> I had one. It's I did it well. Uh, okay, okay, it's all good. I'll listen to this after. There you go. All right. Well, thank you again, Richard, for coming hey, in, no talking problem. all about high performance. Thank and, you for uh, having me. All that. No problem. And thank you guys for watching in. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, RichardMosdell.com. All on YouTube at Richard Mosdell and everything yeah. else. I'm Kaylin Anglos. You guys know where to find me. We will talk to you guys later. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye for now.